everyone. My name is Ari and welcome to Made of Metal, a motivational podcast where we tell stories about regular people overcoming insurmountable odds. So hello there, my friends. Wonderful to connect with you here for another amazing episode of the Made of Metal podcast. Just a quick reminder, you guys, if you love the show, if you love this wonderful baritone, please leave me a rating or a review and tell a friend to give me a listen. It goes a long way to help us build community. And the more that we build together, the better we'll all be for it. The more the merrier is my philosophy. So definitely in the space of recovery, it's so much better when you have friends along the way and connection can make all the difference. So yeah, just to keep in mind. So this week, we're doing a little pivot from the norm, and I wanted to feature a story about a figure who rests squarely between the mythical and the factual. So this is an individual who doesn't necessarily have a completely fact-based story. A lot of his story was actually passed down through generations, but we'll get into that a little bit later. This individual's story is an interesting one based in a time far, far, far in the past when dynasties flourished and feuded for generations. This person was ultimately a teacher who created an entirely new school of thought that would eventually evolve into a way of life and spiritual teaching. But sadly, as with most innovators, their contributions were not recognized or realized until many years after their death. This individual's story is a mix of legend and lore, as is the case with most stories passed down through the millennia. But this one for certain, the core of their principles will never be disputed. And I personally wanted to cover this individual because they were honestly one of the first philosophers that I researched in depth. As I became obsessed with the origins of Eastern philosophy when I first began my recovery. So this is when I left my parents' house. I left my childhood home around the age of 20. And I began doing a lot of research and exploring my spirituality, just searching for something to help me along, to give me a little guidance, to, you know, explain my healing a little bit more and provide me with some support. So this individual's story and teachings were absolutely foundational. And although they came from a very different time period, I truly believe we can all learn from incorporating the teachings from the past, which is ironically one of the focal points of this person's teachings, honoring the past. So you can see why I like this person. (laughs) So let's get right into it. This week, we'll be covering... The thinker, the theologian, the teacher, Confucius. And again, I want to caveat this by saying Confucius's origin story is a mix of anecdotal evidence and legend passed down through history. It was mostly an oral history, which were much more common back then. And Confucius's story wasn't written down until much later. So we're talking centuries after his death. So just kind of keep that in mind when I'm telling you, you know, about the events and things like that. I tried to choose the timeline that seemed the most based in reality, but there are plenty of events that occurred in his life that are sort of 
disputed or controversial in terms of whether they happened or not, but I tried to focus on just the facts for you guys. So Confucius was reportedly born around September 551 BCE in an area of China called Lu, which is now the modern-day Shandong province. Confucius was not born into a traditional family dynamic, but one that was fraught with power struggles, familial drama. I mean, he was dealing with a lot just coming into the family. As his father, he was an older, revered military officer who held a bit of influence and status in his village due to his royal lineage from generations past. His mother, who was considered of a lower class due to her own lineage, and she was primarily chosen for her ability to have children. So their marriage had a very specific purpose, and that was to have a healthy son. When Confucius was born, the family dynamics further deteriorated as his mother was considered the second wife and reportedly the least liked woman in the current household. Confucius's father had already been married previously, and his wives notoriously never got along. Not to mention, you know, add in that added contention in which Confucius's father's first wife wasn't able to have a son, which is why he married his second wife. But he had about nine other daughters, so this was a pretty large family. But there was just a lot of drama, a lot of contention. So when Confucius's father passed away just a few years after Confucius was born, Confucius and his mother were promptly kicked out of the household and onto the street without a second thought. So Confucius went from living a life of somewhat luxury. He wasn't necessarily an aristocrat, but his family was considered a bit above the common class. And now he was being kicked out with his mother and being sent back to her village, which was basically abject poverty. So Confucius had the very rare opportunity to live and learn from both sides of the coin, or in this case, both sides of the classes of society. Thankfully, Confucius's mother was an engaged parent. So she recognized that Confucius enjoyed learning and she taught him basic literacy skills, which was rare for those in their class. And you guys can't see this, but I'm using air quotes with class because it's just so bizarre to me that somebody can be treated differently based on circumstances completely out of their control. But it's been happening for millennia. But Confucius's basic literacy skills put him a step above his less fortunate peers from the very beginning. So Confucius would enroll in the local school for commoners, again, air quotes, and begin his traditional education. He reportedly was a very good student, but was often bullied by his peers. And I wanted to provide a bit of context around this, as I truly believe these childhood experiences were particularly formative for Confucius, and they ended up showing up in his teachings and his way of life. When reading his story, it's often mentioned how Confucius apparently looked quite different from his peers. So we're talking just in physical appearance, which would explain the constant bullying. Although there are no official photos of Confucius, he was apparently known for his not great looks, considered brutish and ugly, air quotes, by societal standards. 
I hate to even use that word because it's so loaded in my opinion and like ugly is so objective. I just really don't like the word, but that is literally how he was described in historical texts. And you'll notice in some statues and depictions of Confucius, he'll have a largely misshapen head and, you know, these buck teeth. So they're clearly emphasizing his unattractiveness, more air quotes. A lot of air quotes in this episode, you guys, a lot of air quotes. I personally think buck teeth are adorable, but I digress. Confucius was also always known to be a bookworm who was obsessed with reading historical texts, learning about the old ways from the golden age of China's history. This likely further alienated him from his peers as Confucius was raised in a totally different atmosphere than from those who constantly had to struggle to make ends meet. As Confucius grew older, life began to change for him and his views of the world were totally challenged. Confucius's mother died when Confucius was just 17 and things were never the same for him after that. The death of his sole connection to his childhood, the only person that had ever loved him and the only parent he ever really knew. He was absolutely heartbroken. And to add on to that, due to petty circumstances surrounding Confucius and his mother being kicked out from his father's home after his death, Confucius never knew where his father was ultimately buried, which is horrible. And this became a huge point of contention for Confucius as he was determined to have his mother's final resting place be beside his father. So after his mother's death, Confucius was on his own in a way he had never been before. But due to his more advanced reading and writing skills, Confucius was able to secure a number of odd jobs, mostly in the more complex administrative functions and working for high-class families for the good name and experience. He was able to build up a reputation as a good employee within the government sector and would even hold more esteemed positions of power, such as director of security and public works. And although he was a functioning member of society in the most basic sense, Confucius was described as never truly happy since the death of his mother and was rumored to have been in deep mourning for a full three years. So we can already see at 17 how Confucius has led a less than glamorous life marked by poverty, personal hardships, and familiar rejection and just a total lack of support from his peers as he wasn't able to relate to them and they couldn't relate to him. But in spite of his life circumstances and limitations placed on him by his class, by his lack of upward mobility, Confucius had a vision to become a trusted advisor to a ruler who would practice his teachings. At this point, Confucius had formed a pretty solid foundation of the ways he believed influenced and contributed to a powerful and prosperous nation. And you have to understand that Confucius formed these ideas from his personal experience, from what he's witnessed in his various government positions, and from his ancient teachings. So most of his perspectives 
rested in respecting elders, ancient rituals, mutual respect for the government and the people, and morality above all else. Confucius believed in the traditional. Looking back fondly at the old customs, the personal responsibility, and the commitment to your state. Confucius believed acting as a righteous example as the leader influenced the respective townspeople to follow, creating a more moral society. This was idealistic at its best, but the core teachings resonated with more than a few followers. After an unsuccessful attempt on righting the perceived wrongs in his own village and ruling royal families, Confucius would begin his journey across China, visiting various rulers, teaching his doctrines, and trying to gain support. Now, Confucianism is a complex school of thought, but I like to distill the main themes down before I continue on. Confucius taught a variety of subject matter to his followers, ranging from language to the arts to government policy. And he formed his core beliefs around his studies and life experiences, in particular, how he perceived the current state of government affairs could be improved for all. When Confucius began developing his teachings further, he was just in his early 30s and beginning to tutor the child of a government official. The main themes Confucianism would focus on would be morality, piety, an innate respect for yourself and your fellow man with a traditional twist, honoring the old ways. Confucius believed honesty, righteousness, and benevolence as these themes were in the old ways he studied so intensely in his early learning career. In particular, the ritualistic aspects and the lessons he gained from those ancient guides would become intertwined with his main teachings. He taught the importance of peace and living in harmony with yourself and your fellow man. It should also be noted that Confucius was teaching his ways during a time of many other philosophical breakthroughs in China called the Hundred Schools of Thought, which he had to compete for in order to have his viewpoints heard by the people. After advocating for his method of ruling to his local officials with no avail, plus an ensuing political drama that was brewing and threatening his safety, Confucius decided to set out on a journey. By this time, Confucius had about three disciples he'd been able to convert to fight for his cause, and they slowly trekked around from kingdom to kingdom. At each kingdom, Confucius and his followers would make a case to the local ruling officials on the effectiveness of his leadership style promising a more obedient and efficient population as a result. While his promises were attractive, Confucius would be dismissed by each royal court he traveled to. After a few years of traveling, Confucius and his disciples would again return to his city of Lu to appeal to the local officials. Luckily, Confucius came upon a ruler who was relatively lower in the hierarchy and willing to adopt his teachings if it meant any chance that he could gain more power. Confucius would become the ruler's prime minister, a lifelong dream finally realized. But this position was short-lived, 
as a power struggle would soon ensue, leaving Confucius exposed and vulnerable with his current employer. This experience even further cemented to Confucius the importance of a pious and just leadership, as he was disgusted with the corruption he'd witnessed. In spite of the political turmoil and feuding that Confucius would often bear witness to, he was not described as a bitter old man in his days. Even more so, he was described as given up on his dream of influencing a better regime and instead resolved to focus on his teachings and writings, continuing to amass disciples until his death. Confucius would spend his later years as a quiet teacher in his hometown, and he would pass away in his home around the year 479 BC. Now, you guys know I always have an underlying reason for researching someone, and what intrigued me most about Confucius was, of course, the legendary nature of his origins, but also the way his teachings are still ingrained in Chinese cultures today. Anything that survives this many centuries and can be applied to the modern world, I just find it infinitely fascinating. But also, after reading the Analects, which is considered the main text of Confucianism and Confucius' teachings, you get a sense that the guy was really before his time. Of course, everything should be framed in the context of the time period, and not all of the things Confucius believed resonated with me or I felt were helpful, but I was able to read about and truly make an impact on myself because I can easily see why Confucius decided to make his own way in teachings. And it seemed to me he was more so making a hybrid of the old ways and of his new way of thinking, his new school of thought, Confucianism. And the Analects, which was the book written by Confucius, as we learn more information about him, we've learned that this likely was written by his followers or, you know, a group of people. But it is attributed to Confucius and Confucianism. And there are five main virtues of Confucianism, like we discussed earlier. There's benevolence, righteousness, propriety, wisdom, and fidelity. So that sort of like boils down Confucianism, if you could do that. And I just wanted to highlight a few of the quotes in the Analects that were attributed directly to Confucius, because his quotes are just like out of this world. You guys know how I feel about quotes, so absolutely adore a good quote. So how can you love people without encouraging them? And how can you be loyal to people without educating them. I love it. I love it. I definitely recommend reading the Analects because that absolutely changed my perspective of myself and my relationship with others. Because as anybody who's experienced childhood trauma will know, once you begin recovery, your sense of trust and trusting other people, it's almost nil. It's, it's just not there. You haven't learned how to do it. So when I read the Analects, I understood Confucianism, I learned about his story, I agreed. There is something to be had in connection. There's something to be gained by encouraging people, by educating them, by motivating them. And that's kind of what led me to, you know, 
here right now to this today, speaking with people and trying to share knowledge that we can all benefit from. So I hope you guys liked this, you know, little change from the usual stories of just, you know, straight facts and stepping into a bit of the philosophical. And I really hope you guys enjoyed. So you can check us out at madeofmetalpodcast.com. And you can also follow Made of Metal Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. As always, my loves, I hope you guys are really, really having a wonderful start to the new year. I am loving it. Really enjoyed researching and recording this. And I'm so looking forward to another wonderful year. So as always, as always, my loves, bloom where you are planted. Bye.